Radio Shouty. I cut up the station. It's about that time for Fila. Most likely he a small fry if he was stamped by Beehive. It's one in one station only. They got the streets on fire. So please do not touch the dial. Cut with Fina, go live. What's happening, what's happening, what's happening? Of course, you know it's your boy, Behind Radio, shouting, hey, man, I got a legend, icon, philanthropist, activist, rapper. I mean, one of the best to ever do it in this thing. Killer Mike, what's good with it, boss? Man, B, what's up, man? How you doing? Man, feeling good, feeling great. First of all, man, you know I got to say appreciate you for fitting me into your busy-ass schedule because you out here getting busy every damn day. Yeah, I just got home from, uh, we did Bottle bottle Rock Up in Napa. Man. Yeah. Man, LP, we did a, our first run of Jewel show in 20 months, so that felt good. We went up to Nashville. Shouts out to the Thompson Hotel in Nashville. That tree was good. We rehearsed up there. Yeah. Unfortunately, Bonnaroo got canceled, but hopefully we'll be back next year. So. Exactly. What was that like having to pause for the calls for 20 months, man, when y'all already had that wave going crazy with Run the Jewels? Man, Run the Jewels is, you know, for those that know, they know we want to, we tour about 123 days a year. We wanted the, the most successful touring rap acts in the world. So. Yeah. It's, it was strange yeah. to get home because COVID started right when our new album, Run the Jewels 4, dropped. So Run okay. the Jewels 4 dropped. We dropped our, our biggest single ever in Ooh La La with yeah. Greg Nice, Prem on the cut. Shoot the video in LA, big lot. Man, I bought a Grand National out there. I was on top of the world. <laughs> I come home, God bless the dead. My man Butter, his, his father, Robert Sr. had passed. We went to his funeral and I got sick. I laid down for two weeks Damn. and it was like a movie. Yeah. I lay down for two weeks. My wife nursed me back to health with all that Geechee Gullah voodoo she did. <laughs> yeah. And the next thing you know, I'm up and the world says we're closed. Like there's this thing called COVID happening. And yeah. at first it was uncomfortable because we're we're going out on tour next year now. Yeah. But we were supposed to go out that year opening for Rage Against the Machine on their reunion tour. Yeah. For those who may not know, that, that's the equivalent of saying Outkast going on the world tour. <laughs> exactly. I, I get a chance to open for Outkast. Yeah. You know, at Prime Dollar. So I was just like, I was like, God, you really just don't want a nigga to be rich, rich, do you? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? But, but really, man, what I realized, like my grandparents said, you got to sit still and let the Lord work. So being home, man, I'd have a chance to spend more time with my children, more time yeah. with my wife, you know, more time with my friends and, and do a lot of cool stuff. Some of which you heard on the new Madden, the song Yes, produced yeah. by my man DJ Menace, yeah. who also did look back at it for Trina, who put me on, you know, back in the day. So I had a lot of fun, exactly. you know, being home. But, it, you know, all that's cool now I'm back outside. Facts, facts. Yeah. Killer, I got to take it back to square one, man. Being a West Side player coming out of Adamsville with it, man. <laughs> what was that like for you growing up on the West Side off of that MLK yeah. and having these dreams and visions of a life that you wanted to live but not seeing it right there at your doorstep? Well, I, 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 don't had a, I don't had a typical story meaning that, like, I wasn't on front. My cousins lived in Dixie Hill. They lived in Capitol Homes. They lived right on the front street of MLK and stuff. I lived in Adamsville, Cardi Heights community. Yeah. So, you know, my grandparents raised me, not my parents. My parents okay. were teenagers, so I had a real stable life. Yeah. In that my grandparents stayed in the Collier Heights, so I saw everything from working class folks mm. like us. You know, yeah. just you got you got about eight hundred square feet yeah. of bedrooms. Yeah. The girls get the bedrooms, you get the flow. Facts. You know, you and all your cousins there, yeah. but your grandma might start chilling by Monday. By the time she finished adding vegetable and water to it by Friday, it's vegetable soup. Come on. So, but it was but it was a good life. It was a noble exactly. life. It was no shame in it. Yeah. But you know, like. Every little boy, you want to see what was happening there with your cousin now the Timber. Yeah. So I got out there and had a lot of fun. You know, yeah. I was just saying how the Red Dolls helped me straighten my life up. 
by whooping my ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? I had to lay down in the grass and realize maybe, maybe I don't want to do this trap thing. Maybe I want to figure out a better way. So I got off the beeper. But my life was good, man. We I grew up going to church right at Mount Olive and then Bishop Jeans and Mother Jackson over on Hollywood Road, um, or Foe Johnson Road. I grew up my granddaddy, you know, hanging on Bankhead, went on my uncle's shops, fishing. I grew up running up and down the streets out of Temple with my cousin. So I had a very typical West Side life, and that's a life where you get the bottom, the middle, and the top. Yes. You know, I saw everybody in my community from, you know, Michael Cato, Herman Russell. Yeah. You know what I mean? I got a chance to see my teachers live in my neighborhood, whether it was Mr. Twiggs, the principal, Kyle Heights. I went to Kyle Heights, exactly. too. I know what you're talking about. Mr. Sturgis, the sixth grade teacher. So it, yeah. it, was, it was real. It was real. You know, it was, a, it was, dare I say, wholesome. Now, it was in the middle of the crack era. Facts. In the middle of the, one of the most violent surges in crime and yeah. down by law, Miami boys, I refuse. But for, for, for the piece of the pie that my grandparents carved out for themselves, there was a lot of stability and reassurance. I could, I could do or be anything I wanted to be if I worked hard. With that being said, going to Doug High, man, what was that like for you? Because it's something in that water over there at Doug yep. that causes y'all guys to man. come out of there and succeed. Man, so what Douglas was that High like? School, man, I, I, like I said on, um, on, the, on the Breakfast Club, if you walk into a school as a student every day and you have to read the motto without struggle, there can be, there's no progress, yep. and you fail, it's a, it's a conscious decision almost. Yeah. It, it's, it's, and that's not to say, ooh, you bad, it's your fault. It's just to say, if this man can fight his way through bondage, enslavement, run, fight for freedom, educate himself, then go on to be the most photographed man in the 19th century, one oh of the God. most greatest unofficial official diplomats for this country, yeah. advisor to presidents and meters of councils from the world. If he can do that, I have no excuse because I Thanks. live in the temp or going exactly. hall or seven court or going visit. I just don't have an excuse. So, yeah. Going to that institution removed the excuse of failure from me. Come on. You know, if my homeroom teacher told me you would never be a Morehouse man, you're not good enough, then I had to simply look at him like, well, I got to show you then. Come you know, on. I, don't, I, don't have a, I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice but to show you I yeah. can do it. And when I got into Morehouse, I say, up oh, my ante for my books like you promised because I told you I was going to do it. <laughs> you know, getting a chance to go there, you get to meet. You know, co-owner of Murray Brothers Funeral Home, Mr. Murray, who went yeah. to Washington and then went to Morris Brown, who was an art teacher, but he taught me more about entrepreneurship. Yeah. Right now he teaches me farming. So, you know, it's like you don't have teachers, you have instructors for life. Yeah. You know, Miss Potts having having us read the power of the subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. You can't tell me what I'm not capable of because you didn't read that book at 17. I yeah. did. So I have had, you know, all this shit you buy now, you go. Yeah. To tell people I'm at 149 dollars to go to a conference for a white man can tell me you have no limits. Like me, Potts made sure I knew that at 17. Thanks. You know. So for me, Frederick Douglass High School, Kaya Heights Elementary, Morehouse College, mm -hmm. just that whole West Side experience. Yeah. I grew up confident, I grew up uncompromising, I grew up very self-assured and thinking I could be and do anything. When you think about the city of Atlanta, man, and you thinking about how that APS affects those students and stuff yeah. like that, because also when you're seeing that success from other students that came before you and after yeah. you, what do you think that does to the community? And then now with the schools not being as prevalent as they were back then, yeah. how do you think that's impacting man, the community I, now? I think they get back to it. I, not, I think the sister's name is Erica Will, Wilson, Erica Wilson maybe, mm -hmm. but sister's um, over on the school board doing a dynamic job. Okay. Um, you know, you got guys like Michael Wynn, the band director, Doug Stanley Pritchett yeah. back over there. It's like you have now people who've been through APS who are now leaders who are doing their best. What we need more of uh -huh. 
are people from the community participating. And I know it get hard because I know families don't have home ownership like we used to. I know families have to move around. But if our administration and our parents could work together and help a child understand the importance of going to George Washington Carver, mm -hmm. the importance of going to Booker T. Washington, the importance just in name alone. Yeah. For for your rival yeah. as as Frederick Douglass to be Benjamin E. Mays, come on there's now. no way you can feel inferior to anybody. Because no matter what side of the ball you fall on, it's greatness. You know? Exactly. You know, Outcast DJ, one of the funniest, most prolific DJs in the world, went to George Washington Carver. He's a he's a product yeah. of that. So for for me, you know, I proudly where APS as a as a you know as an alumni of APS, not just Frederick Douglass, but the Atlanta Public School System. I wear it like a badge of honor. I'm proud that our city council people do that went to APS. I'm proud our mayor mm -hmm. does. I'm proud that that many other leaders in our community. What I want to see is the regular community, regular working class folks. How do we better organize to help support these kids mm -hmm. so they have everything? Because in the middle of the crack eras, Mamas got together with them food stamps and made sure that the boys playing yep. on the football, the baseball team, yep. or the kids staying after school for tutorial had chips and soda. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so, and if it's things that we can do in the community to, to better help those things that are already happening, let us know and we'll help. You know, just like we help Next Level Boys Academy, just like we help communitybuilders.org. Like, I'm, I'm always interested, even the Frederick Douglass Alumni Association now, and just seeing how we can be stronger. Because if we give these kids the confidence they need, Facts. man, they're going to give us some results. That's amazing, in my you know, opinion. As a Maze High alum myself, 01, Go Do B was our motto right there, too. So we knew we needed to get up, go, and do and be. Absolutely. But I got to ask you this, though, Killer. As a person that invests back into the community on the real estate side of things, man, how important do you think it is for us to go back into the community and into those neighborhoods and buy the block back versus moving to the south side, far north, and yeah. far west? Well, a lot of it, too, I'm going to tell you all is, so you don't have to buy the block back, don't sell it. You know, like, so the people who are older, think about who you're leaving your house to. Yeah, you know, I know that Martha, who went down to Dillard, is 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 she she's your baby and she's smart, yeah. and you know, but but she also moved to Lagrange or, yeah. or Dunwoody or she moved to Kanye, so she doesn't have the same level of interest in the community that Mark might have, yeah. who just work at the Bronner Brothers factory. But he married Alicia. Yeah. They both went there and they want to raise their kids in the city. Maybe you want to give them the gift of giving them. You know, yeah. I'd like to say to the you know to the to the ones who may be younger that are in school, maybe you want to talk to your grandparents about a trust. Mm -hmm. So that you put in a trust and you don't sell it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because if once it's gone, it's gone. Thanks. You know, and we lucky to have some of it. But usually the taxes are only, you know, a few thousand of that a year. When yeah. you start looking at what you spend hanging out at clubs, eating out two hundred bucks a month, that could be twenty four hundred dollars. That's the taxes right exactly. there. Exactly. So I'd like to encourage people to keep it. And if you can't keep it, Find somebody to sell it to you know who cares in that wheel. Yeah. You know, two of the most, you know, crushing things I've had to hear is old classmates. I see them like, hey, oh, man, you still got your parents' house? Man, I just sold it, man. They gave me they gave me a couple hundred grand yeah. for it. I'm like, I would have wired you $250,000 in the morning. Come on. You know, because I'm not only going to get it, I'm going to get it. I'm never going to sell it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to put it in trust. It's going to be there forever because I like for the neighborhood to be able to produce more strong, confident black children. Mm -hmm. Not that I don't respect the love and care for other people, but I'm a strong believer in having communities that are insulated by your culture. Exactly. So culturally, you putting out the most confident kids you possibly can 
because that way you have a stronger tapestry that makes this country instead of having parts that are diluted and weakened. And like your old grandmama's quilt, you don't yeah. want any bad fabric on there. You want strong, reliable fabric to sew together to make the best quilt you can. So we need strong neighborhoods. And the only way you do that is economically to keep your block. And if you don't keep it, you have to go come back by your block. You know, do business on your block. Mm -hmm. Put businesses established there. My grandparents were the first entrepreneurs that I knew and that my grandfather kept his house. To my grandmother's, that was their house, right? Yeah. The, his original house, then they rented out. Mm -hmm. Because it was a renter-to-landlord relationship, He, my grandfather said, if I die, keep them in there and keep the rent the same until, mm -hmm. and we honored that. You know, that's what you get when you get local Ownership. That's what you get when you get reinvestment in your community. Both my sisters have my grandparents' house. They both still right there on the west side. Yeah. I'm currently looking for a residence. I own industrial stuff on the west side, but I'm looking for a house house. Yeah. You know, as a family house on the west side. So, you know, I, I think that we should be buying, keeping, not hold, not letting go holding as much as west side of Atlanta as we possibly can. And even the mayor told you that, God bless us all. She told you, like, don't sell your grandparents' home. Thanks. When you think about gentrification and them prices going up at the same time, man, what yeah. are your thoughts on affordable living inside of the city? Because also it's getting to a point to where some folks might not be able to afford to stay, the old folks on fixed incomes and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I got to give it to my wife. She got us into HUD. You know, uh, she got us into buying and refurbishing homes because as they were closing down apartments, housing projects, things of that nature, they needed they needed more multifamily homes. They needed more homes for families again. And, you know, Shana pivoted our business that way. So, we get to provide a service for keeping people, you know, with affordable housing in market rate. Now, HUD don't pay what you know HUD pays. They, they yeah. pay on time, but, yeah. we, we could, you know, we, we probably get two-thirds of what we deserve. But yeah. it keeps families in the community that, that need to be there, the ones that look like us. You know? Answer me this, though, Killer. When was that music bug hit you? When did that hit you? When was the point that you said, you know what, I need to start snapping in this thing? I, man, I knew I was going to be a rapper. I was nine years old. Get out of here, man. I knew I was going to be a rapper. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted good. My grandma sent me out with folk, you know, the carpenter, the electrician. The, they all brought me back and said the same thing. So he got a great personality, a sweet kid, but he ain't much good for nothing, you know, for talking. <laughs> so, you know, I knew pretty much for me. I couldn't be no breakdance. I couldn't figure out a backspin with his belly. But I, I figured out how to talk with shit, swallow no spit, man. They let me hang around, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I got to thank my man, um. My man Gigi, yeah. who actually here with me now. Who, 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 what up, no Gigi? Already thirteen. I probably had to be about thirteen years old. Yeah. And, um, he had came. He had moved down from Connecticut. Yeah. And um, our other homeboy Terrence from South Carolina, but his family was out in New York, so they was closer to hip hop. Like yeah. I liked all rap. I had a, I had a special place in my heart for East Coast hip hop too. I really liked the wordplay and stuff. So they they was the first people who took me to the studio. And I never forget going. And yeah. I was being so curious, I was just touching. Yeah. And I remember the guy came, pulled Jesus aside, said, "Don't bring him back." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he said, "Don't bring him back." And Gigi fought for me. And um, you know, they 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 really they 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 took me in under their wing. And yeah. I, I'm blessed. That's still my friends to this day. You exactly. Know, we, you know, so I'm blessed. I'm really blessed. Starting off as a freestyler, though, killer. Though yeah. I mean, what was that like coming off the top of your head and then realizing that I need to learn how to formulate these songs? Yeah, out he here? taught me how to write in bars too. Like Gigi taught. I didn't know how to write in bars. Yeah. Yeah. I just because I just freestyled. I just I didn't know nothing. Cause, you know, I lived in Adamsville. I was in the car. Like, I wasn't nobody rapping. Yo. It was folk working. It was folk like doctors and lawyers in the enclave. Yeah. And it was folk working the concrete and brick yeah. yard. But wasn't nobody giving no damn about no DJing and no LCing but me. 
My God. You know, and my and Gigi said, "Well, man, he said you good. I just go in the booth." And, he said, man, that's good, but you know, you don't know you don't know how many balls you got. I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. So he taught me the difference between the eight or 16, 24 balls, rapping on time, double time. Yeah. You know, he taught me. He taught me. And then I was just a willing student. I wanted to know, so I, I learned all I could. And then I just went off. See, my whole thing is this killer. What I'm about to say, it might get crazy, but I mean, I'ma just keep it real. When I heard that whole world song, it was a verse on that thing. And you came in there and rode that track like your life depended on it. Because it did. Talk to me, Killer. When you heard that track, man, what was it that made you say, I I love you, Cass, but class is in session? No, I, I had to, like, you you rapping, you rapping with somebody, you rapping with the world's greatest rap group. Thanks. So, first of all, you getting in the middle of a chemistry that people love already. Ooh. You know, so it ain't I, it ain't no question of how they yeah. gonna feel about Big and Dre. Yeah. The only variable in here is me. <laughs> you know, so don't fuck this up. You yeah. know what I mean? I was I can remember they was going, they was doing the um the, the deluxe edition or some kind of additional. They had additional records and stuff, and um, Big they were going out. I think they was might have been going to the general club. Some Big said, "Hey man, you know you might want to stick around and listen, you know, yeah. to this record, see about getting on it." And I elected to stay instead of going out and working. And I and I never forget, you know, player I grind. When it came to me, it was just like, oh, this is like I knew I knew I had to ride because you're not gonna you're not gonna out smooth Dre. Yeah. And you know whether it's deep or not, it's gonna be perceived as deep with Dre. So it's like you know it's like you can't get no this, this nigga skinny handsome nigga wear wigs like you not you not gonna outdo that. So and you're not gonna out pattern and out cool big boy. You not Thanks. you know what I mean? You not you know what my I mean? God. Next time he left a throat warm in the dorm room with the AU like you not gonna say no more pimp shit than that. But what I. What I knew I had, I knew I had an aggressive ride. I yeah. knew I was hungry, and I knew I was clever. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And, and I was a, and I, you know, I when I said the Randy Moss line, I knew it was money. You know, come I was on, just, I knew I had show. Like Randy Moss and this thing. How the hell did you even link up with Cass though? I was, I was big boys, little brothers, punk ass homeboy. Man. <laughs> you know, it, like like for real, just yeah, James, man, little James, who's Big's little brother, who runs Pitfall. Yeah, um, Kendall, who got about them eighty thousand dollars dollars from James. My God, James used to rap. Then James was like, I make a lot more money selling dogs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, hey, mad at him. But me, James, God bless the dead, my man Frank, Fast mm -hmm. Black, mm -hmm. um, Rock D, aka Mr. Kryptonite, the guy that brought Kryptonite to yeah. Purple Ribbon, um, CeeLo um, from the Beat Bullies, and Nick. Me, CeeLo, and Nick all went to Morehouse. We were just giant homies, you know, yeah. and and we were, we were intent on doing something, you know. I was already rapping. Gigi them had already introduced me to rapping. I was already pressing up, you know, um, like Slumlord mixtapes. Me and my man Zach from Adamville, but I just didn't know how to. I didn't know how to formally get in an office and pitch anything. Big heard me rapping in CeeLo's basement and said, "Man, you raw and hard." He's like, "I'm gonna give you a record deal." We said, "No, son." Yeah. And you hear that, but by then. I'm getting a couple pounds out of East Hampton. I'm like, man, this shit might not work out. My dumb ass just dropped out of college. I had a baby. You know what I'm My saying? My God. I'm like, boy, everything. I did it all wrong. Yeah. Man. And they, But they did. They set it up. And um, he doubled back around. They put me on that DJ Clue Funkinella first. Yeah. And the next thing you know, they um, they had me on a couple more records. And here I go. The next thing I know, I was on the bus with Big and getting a call. He got a call from Jay-Z. And Jay-Z said, I want you and that new kid y'all got on Poppin' Tags. My God. And Poppin' Tags, you know, the whole world, for what the whole world did for me in terms of commercially, 
Like, I got to thank Hov to this day because he specifically asked for me. He was like, because I don't think that time Dre was in, in the right doing me in the feed. He said, no, I want you and the kids. Y'all got over. He said, Mike. Because if you listen to it, I'm originally right behind Jake. Yeah. They put Twisted there. It's still like part of my yeah. my own version. I really can't. I, I came, but I came trying to tax ass Hell on yeah. that too. Because I'm like, I'm like, you got to show up like this. Okay, so now you already are around the Icons outcast, but then you get the call from Jay to come in there too. Yeah, so now you know you got to take it up north with it. Yeah. What was that like? And did you feel any pressure again to deliver Killer? Yeah, you have to, cause you, you like you you in you know when people say that like to say they they the goats. You know I want to be with the wolves. Ooh. You know, Ooh. I've you know I don't, I've never envied or wanted to be around a goat. Like yeah. everybody I'm I'm naming has gotten on tracks and white people. So, my you know, God. my goal is to is to don't die and, and kill son. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I welcome it, you know. The whole world, man, when that thing took y'all around the whole world and yeah. took you around the whole world for the first time, what was going through your mind at that time when you was thinking to yourself, I was a little kid in Adamsville, yeah. now I'm on this Grammy Award winning song and yeah. everybody knows my name and I snapped on this thing too. Yeah, yeah, I knew I knew I had went, like I knew I, I, knew I stole the show, yeah. you know. And that ain't too braggadocious, but I knew I showed up. You know, yeah. it's like you can show up as a rookie. Terrell Owens don't do what he what, what he's supposed to do. You know yeah. what I mean? The yeah. quarterback don't do he's supposed to do. You got a chance as a tight end or another wide or a linebacker to show up and act a fool yeah. and be the most talked about person the next morning. And I knew that's what the whole world gave me a chance to do. But <clears throat> taking me around the whole world, it showed me that that I was thinking small even when I was thinking big. Mm. You know, when I was in Adamsville, in Collier Heights, I was thinking Atlanta, I want Atlanta. Then you got in Atlanta, you're like, oh, man, I want the South. And I'm riding you know, with I, you. There's a whole world out there. Like, there's, there's, I performed that song. That song showed me everything I could have on my own if I worked my ass off, because it wasn't mine. Now, exactly. I was a part of it. I got the Grammy, but it's not mine. Yeah. So I'm a part of it. I got to go to Italy and perform it, but that's not mine. I got to go to London, but it's not mine. You know, you understand? So I got to do a whole national tour twice, but that's not mine. So I've never been one of the guys. I'm not going to pose with your money in the club or your ball in the ball. Yeah. You know, I've never been really comfortable with that. I'm with you. But, you know, but I don't begrudge you if you do. Yeah. Because you, it looked for a great picture, but I wanted mine. You know Thanks. what I mean? I done, had, I done got this woman. I done had some children. Yeah. You know, I got to, you know, my grandparents raised me. So, you know, after, no matter how famous you was, my grandfather was, what that check hitting for? You exactly. taking care of them babies? Yeah. You know, so for me, it was about. That that taking me around and getting a chance to tour at Outcast showed me that if I acted professionally, if I took care of myself, kept myself out of trouble, mm -hmm. if I kept dropping dope records, if I kept not stopping, that I would get some measure of that. And yeah. that took me 10 years to get there. So you look at 2002, yeah. 2003 is when it sparks, but it doesn't catch for me until 2011, 2012. <laughs> so that's a whole eight-year run of mixtapes, a yeah. of not quite getting the right or almost being now on underrated lists, yeah. things of that nature, the things that are, man, it's hell on your ego and your pride as an MC. But, you know, I knew, like them told my grandma when they brought me back in the trades, hey, man, he ain't good for nothing else. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, he got to make this work. Because, boy, either that, he too, he too chubby to run, so he ain't going to be no good raw. <laughs> you know? Now, something that you just said that kind of touched me, though, Killer, thinking big, then finding out that you was actually thinking small, yeah, man. Can you small, speak yeah. to that and go a little bit more in depth with that? And then just for other black men that's watching that that understand what you're saying, because, you know, a lot of times we do think that we thinking big just to find out that it's yeah. a whole world out here outside yeah. of your big thinking that yeah, you thought you big had. Is relative. You yeah. know, big is a lot of times is relative. You know, you you get on, um, you'll, you'll have an idea 
that's why I say plot, plan, strategize, organize, mobilize. When you plot something out, it's usually you by yourself, piece of paper, maybe you plotting it out. Yeah. And then you even might start putting out a plan or strategy. But when you start to strategize and organize with people, you start to see how it could be even bigger. Mm-hmm. What I'm doing in Atlanta could work in Atlanta, Jacksonville, Tampa, Birmingham. Yeah. Then you say, man, now I can organize this and I can mobilize it and it can mm-hmm. roll out and be something bigger. And, and what, I, what I mean is... For, for as big, I want it to be known and respected in my neighborhood. Yeah. I want it to, you know, to have a street named after me, maybe. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm now, you know, potentially at some point, I'm going to own a portion of this city. I'm pretty sure I got a day. I'm pretty sure I could get a street now. Come on, now. I want a skyscraper. Mm. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want four or 500 acres around here. I, I'm, I am constantly encouraged by the success I see around me. When you look at a Rick Ross, who now has over 350 acres, yeah. when you look at a thug has just purchased 100 acres, you know, Facts. when you when you look at what a TI has been able to do in terms of property and development, yeah. that's that's not happening in every other city, niggas singing and dancing. Come on now. You know, so Atlanta has an understand, no matter the jokes, the memes, all that other stuff, real business is happening here. Facts. Real business was happening here 120 years ago when <coughs> Alonzo Herndon was doing business yeah. here. Real business was happening here 50, 60 years ago when Herman Russell was doing Facts. business here. And doing business now is real here, even when the Negroes is doing that way and big jewelry and drive expensive cars. Yeah. You know, and I, I take pride in that. So I take it seriously. So for me, I realize that if I dreamed of having 10 McDonald's, I probably should focus on having 100 because Matt Wilburn is here. Yeah. I call Matt Wilburn on the world's biggest is Popeyes, and I can just hit him up <laughs> like I'm hitting up my favorite uncle. If you have that opportunity, don't think small. Exactly. You know, don't don't think don't you know when you think I look at people like Jamal Mashburn, Shaquille O'Neal, yeah. what they've been able to do as as you know they aren't heralded as having the fly shoes that I was yeah. sold. They aren't heralded as having oh man having well Shaq had a hell of a jersey to buy, <laughs> but but they but they use their personality, their skill, and they know how for what people needed. Man, they made sound and wise investments, and we had that opportunity. So you know, for me. I want to go big, you exactly. know. I, wanna, I remember telling Charlemagne, "I want to, I want to see a hundred million. He said, "You don't think you're more than that," you know. And and I, I asked when my buddy said, "I said, oh, I said this boy from Monk's Corner, I, I got to be tripping, thinking this small, you know." Yeah. My buddy the challenge yeah. to think bigger. So I just want to say, whatever your thought is, whatever your grandest desire, you know, they tell you don't share it with people. Share it in the mirror in the morning with you, because yeah. you're talking to God when you talk to the mirror in the morning and multiply it. Mm-hmm. You know, make it bigger. That monster album. Yeah. What was going through that mind when it was time to drop that first album? Coming off of all of that success that you was already having. Man, it, was, it, it sold five hundred thousand units. I was very proud of it. It also came out the same year as Fifty Cent, who sold Ooh. ten million. You know, so shit. <laughs> I can remember being at. Um, I can remember Dave at Columbia. Hey, which we're, we're going to stop and load your album because you've already profited. Yeah. I'm like, hold up, if I done with gold. I'm pretty sure we can. And they just like, hey. Kid, we got we got Vivian Greenhill too now. We got the Mason Ville good. And you know, you done did good, pat on the back, gonna get back to work. Bun hit me and say, you know, if they told you that, that's a good thing. You yeah. know what I mean? So but it hurt because I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't understand business. You yeah. Know? But I, I understood after that. And after that I got on my independent grind. I ended up walking away. Um I walked away from a um Virgin, I think Virgin offered me like 120 grand and like a uh, challenge, a charger. Yeah. And I walked, I walked, I was like, I'm cool. You know, I just didn't, I didn't want to, to be very honest with you, I didn't, I didn't want to, they had me coming like I think after Sleepy Brown and Bubba Sparks. Yeah. And at that point, it's just the, the MC shit kicked in. I was uh, like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. 
Yeah. Like, I'm not standing behind in the bus line for nobody. Yeah. You know, just because I, I felt like, and now this ain't got nothing to do with Sleeper Bubba as much as for me, mm-hmm. it was like, time's a ticket. Yeah. Stop playing, you know? It's the mixtape era. You know, shit, the dip set dropping every three weeks if they want to. Thanks. What am I sitting around waiting for? You know what yeah. I'm saying? So for me, it's, I just I just was determined to prove something. So thanks to, and and, and I'm going to tell, like I've, I've never told this story, but the, the way that Grind Time got started, yeah. there's a guy named Big Key, and I've seen Big Key works, he's at Delta now. Big Key um, had a producer named Chaotic Beats who's serving life right now. I, I, just, I just sent my man something. Um, Chaotic and Smith and Cash, who were some kids from St. Kitts, produced the entire first grind time. Yeah. And we got that because a guy named Money, God bless the dead, mm-hmm. Money saw potential in people like me, Tip, and other little people running around the city, and he blessed me. Yeah. You know, he was like, here, what you need? He gave he gave my man Bell, boom. And so if you look on the back, Bear's executive producer, and mm-hmm. he was still working with Purple Ribbon at the time. I had kind of exited, but Bear, Bear brokered that deal for money to put the money in my hand. Had money not done that, I, I, I wouldn't be here. God bless yeah. dead because he had the time and the resources. You know, you if you ever hear another story about how Grind Time started, yeah. there's a lie and a liar in front of you. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to get a dead heels because you can't say that while they're alive because yeah. of the, what they did for a living. Yeah, I, you understand I feel what I'm saying? I feel but, that. but I can I can honestly say if that man wouldn't have seen something in me. And when I went to pay him the money back, it was a trip. He told me about. He said, "Man, that boy do too much good." He said, "I ain't y'all. I'm cool. I don't need that little money back." My it, God. It, it messed me up because yeah. you know I didn't. He made a, a literal investment in me, but more than investing in me being able to, to press up records and market and promote, he invested in my character. So yeah. I've never been able to be no sucker, or no fuck nigga behind that because exactly. I've been given a shot and an opportunity. We took that. We took. That money bear showed me this is what you allocate toward pressing up your CDs. Yeah. This is what you allocate toward marketing and promotions. I'm sure he's from College Park, so I'm sure he stole something from you. Nah, but we went and pressed up CDs. We went and got them pressed down in Texas. Shouts out to Paul Walker, me in there. What I didn't know at the time was I let Paul, we didn't have a scan. So we used Paul. So I probably got and gave Paul some great sales. Yeah. So we used his 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 uh, scam. But we picked up seats off the side of the highway. The old man brought them out to us, and we came up dropping them. Right yeah. Time. Me, Gigi, Cuzzo, um, Cuz, Lightyear. You know, um, we we all and Cuz was fresh out of high school. We all just came up. So it was Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, dropping off dropping off CDs. Sent some up to Fat Beats, New York. And man, we I built a following off yeah. grind time. You know, exactly. we started we started getting shows, yep. and um, you know, one for a lot of money. But I will tell you, that's that circuit is the circuit that gave you artists like me, gave you artists like Future, yeah. gave you artists like Two Chains. Like yeah. I can literally remember being booked. We be booked to some of the same places, and and the crowd be thinking I just be like, man, like this crazy. Like we in Birmingham, we in Columbus, we in. You in these places that it's that, that people they still see you as one of the biggest artists ever. They don't yeah. know, but shit, you going through it. You going through it, not in the worst way, but just yeah. you know, you go from being in a label sponsored sprinter to a white van. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? The vans you see straight up, the things ain't always comfortable, boy. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So you know, but but it's a sacrifice you make. And if you look at the three artists I named, whether it's me, Future, or Change, the other side of them betting on themselves. Look at it. Big it's a facts. beautiful. That's why I, those guys in particular, I chill for like. A lot exactly. because I can remember being on on shows, a club appearance and things, and just man, 
It's just, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful, it's been a beautiful grind. What was that pivot like though, man? Coming off of a major label, being with some of the GOATs and having all of that major success and then realizing that my train ain't stopping here, this ain't it, yeah. and now I got to go back to square one like I ain't had none of that. Well, I was, I was blessed. I've never been mad because, mm. you know, it, was, it wasn't a possibility where I was from. Like on the West yeah. Side, you went to college or trade school and did well, yeah. or you got a good job, or you fail, you know, you fail wherever you fail with the streets. Yeah. I, I didn't know, you know, no entertainers. I didn't know, you know, people getting, you know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. like I went to Tri-City. They had yeah. a music program, you know what I'm saying? Oh, was, jamming like hell. Yeah, you know? Yeah. I, so I, I didn't have, I wasn't like I went to Washington or was in Doug's band, mm -hmm. you know? But what I believed in was art. Mm -hmm. Because of Miss, Mr. Murray, because of Miss, Miss Renfro, because of Miss Bishop, like I believed in art. So getting a chance to be around some guys Cause if you're not from Atlanta, you don't know this. Southwest Atlanta is not the same thing as the West Side. Facts. Like I'm from the West Side. You yeah. know, Southwest Atlanta gave you Outkast, Goody Mall. So you saw all the examples of it working. Yeah. We had Kilo. Yeah. You know, and Kilo had dope music and a habit. Facts. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, boy, that thing could go either way for. It. You know what I'm saying? Like, boy, you know, Kilo Come wrote on. his whole first album in juvenile. So it's just like that. It was just a tumultuous My time God. where we was from. So. But I was so grateful that that Big and Dre had blessed me mm -hmm. that even even in the uncomfortability of and I got I, mean, I got to get bit with props like like I'm in a rap group yeah and and it's a lot to be in a rap group a mm. successful rap group is a, it's a lot yeah I can't imagine one of us waking up just saying man you know I just don't want to do it and yeah. and I love you I'm not not your friend I just don't want to do it yeah. and then you got to figure it out you know. Yeah. And what Big has been able to do is kept people employed, kept people with deals. It's put a mayor in Johnson, South Carolina. One of his interns ended Come up on. being a mayor there. You know, you gotta look. You gotta look at him pushing through. Has been one of the one of the greatest movies I've ever witnessed. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Him and Dre maintaining a friendship. Yeah. Unlike a lot of people, they stopped doing business. They stopped being friends. Him, their maintaining friendship showed me that there's a way and a methodology for me to do it. But I had to go on a journey on an Iliad by myself so I could double back around and, and, and tell Big, I get it, I understand, and I love you and I appreciate you. I call Big about once or twice a month yeah. just to say amen. Thank you. <laughs> appreciate you. Know, I love you, and I yeah. really, you know, because I can't imagine having been at the pinnacle and, yeah. and then having to figure out climbing the next mountain. So, you know, I really appreciated it. I never, I've never had any real resentment. I didn't like feeling stuck, yeah. and I didn't like Virgin telling me I was gonna be third in line. I yeah. just wasn't with that shit. And that has nothing to do with the others that were one or two. That was you. That just had everything to do with I knew who I was. Yeah, yeah. You know? So now you're coming with this grind time, man. The pledges are dropping all over yeah. the place, man. Yep. And folks are starting to respect Killer for yep. his lyrical ability. Yep. And you out here building your own situation out here in these streets. What was that like at that time for you? Still going hard, but now you got the family and the kids and all of this other yeah, stuff man. going on. I, I mean, I just I, I became a, just a firm believer in myself. If you listen to Pledge 1, that's me figuring out with, with the crew, all right, what we going to do? And yeah. Pledge, by the time I got to Pledge 2, Players too was a motivational speech to me. I didn't realize, you know, how much many other people need to hear. It. But when you hear ten Gs, you know, when you start, when you start to hear Grandma God in the house. building, you, you know, what I mean? that's me talking to me. I, I want to give up, so I'm saying, hey, dog, you can't yep. give up. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. Like so, for for me, players too, it was a, it, it 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 was a total change in mentality for me. I became a leader. Yeah, on that album. Yeah. Being transparent in the music, though, that's something that I feel like is lacking in the yeah. industry right now. What was that like for you laying your soul on all of them man, damn tracks? Hey, hey, it was, 
you know, transparency works a couple different ways. It's very scary to do it. Yeah. Because people prefer a beautiful lie. Come on Sometimes now. Sometimes than over the pretty truth, you know, yeah. or ugly truth. But transparency for me was crazy because it's crazier when it doesn't get acknowledged. Mm. So imagine bare your soul. So <laughs> Van Gogh died. Van Gogh don't know he's famous. Damn. He died. Yeah. He died undiscovered, unfamous. Van Gogh is one of the absolute most revered artists in the world. Facts. So that's what my greatest fear was. I don't want to die unacknowledged. Yeah. And I don't want to die. You know what I'm saying? He could have been. You know, mm -hmm. I don't want. I don't want to. I didn't want to. Uh, a shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yeah. That's what really pained me. Even if I failed, let me fail on my own merit. Let yeah. me say I don't like this song because. Come on. Don't don't say I never heard the song. That's what would have killed me. But luckily, Pastor Troy. Um, got me hooked up with my manager, who's now my manager. He, he worked at SMC, which was a label out of the West Coast. Troy did a deal with them, and Scarface was in a, in, a, in was in the middle of doing something. I don't know if Scarface's thing ever dropped, but Troy did. Troy said, "You need to holler at Will," mm. and I chopped it up with Will. And man, we just grew to be fast friends. Yeah. And um, after the label kind of, you know, labels kind of dissolved. It was not a need for the. The, the um the intermediate labels anymore in between the big ones, and um, Will had was popped, was like man you really need to consider managing Mike yeah after we had dropped rap music um and me and L had just by the end had become run the jewels essentially yeah even in most primary stages and man a big fupa happened somebody really dropped the ball Will came in to say today and I've been rocking with him ever since so we're a decade in. How the hell did you and L link up? Man, Jason DeMarco. Atlanta's a beautiful place because white folks and black folks don't mind being friends here. Facts. You know, like real talk. Yeah. Jason Jason is was an is an executive at the Cartoon Network and, and at Turner. Mm -hmm. s lived in Scottsdale, drove a Monte Carlo Supersport. <laughs> white boy with the Goma Power glasses. Yeah. Cool man, one of the most beautiful human beings ever. But is truly... On some Atlanta shit, you know, mm -hmm. not trying to be anything he's not. Just he likes muscle cars. Yeah. He likes the shit he likes, you know what I'm saying? And I, I love him to death, but he was like, man, I'd like to give you. He had given Witch Doctor an album deal. Yeah. And um, I don't know how it fared or didn't fare, but he doubled back around and said, well, we're going to revamp William Street Records. Um, we're going to give you um, a modest budget. We can't give you what we gave Witch Doctor, but we'll give you some budget. And I got one stipulation. And he's like, what? He was like, don't call yourself Mike Bigger. Call yourself Killer Mike again, and you can rap about anything you want to. <laughs> I was like, word. He was like, anything. I was like, Ice Cube, anything? Anything. Got in there. We were supposed to go in there with three, four different producers. Got in there with LP at Patchwork. Shouts out to Curtis. Yeah. Um, me and L. Yup, yup. Shouts yeah. out to Kurt, man. Me and L went in there. Within the first three hours, I knew he was supposed to produce my entire album. I start calling Jason like, "Hey man, you got to get this white boy to do the album." Yeah, like straight up. I'm like, yeah. "White boy got to do the album." Y'all talking like on. a real Atlanta nigga, like, <laughs> like, "Well, I'm like, nah, this white boy got to do the album, the whole thing." Jason. Yeah. And Jason said, "Y'all, it's like he, he's like, I knew it, I knew it was gonna work." He said, "Um, y'all working now?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "It's been three hours. We got three records." Jason said, "All right, stay on them. I'm gonna go find the money." Yeah. And Jason got on the calls and started trying to find the money for the next 60, 90 days. I was on L head. I was calling his ass every day. Yeah. Like, just three records ain't enough because you got to do the whole album. That's what it is. And after that, he dropped, they dropped his album, Cancer for Cure, a week before rap music, 
Rap music was named because of Maurice Garland. Maurice Garland put up on Twitter one time, yeah. rebellious African people's music. And I told him, hold it. I said, I'm using that as a rap t- as a title for an album. Yeah. So all this Atlanta intersectionality, you know, all this MJQ intersectionality. Yeah. All, the, all this, you know, all, all this, all this, you know, where you going to see your show at? It came together, man. Drunken Unicorn. All this came together. Yeah. And um, me and L dropped and we toured together. We had each had a song on each other's record. Kids were going crazy, and I remember when we got back home after that run. And at this point, we happy because we playing 500 people rooms, getting, yeah. getting bumped up to five to 700 people rooms and shit, right? So we playing Masquerade, Heaven and Hell, stuff like that. But I, um, L was like, I, uh, he owed a record, like a mixtape, the Fat Possum, I think. And he was like, man, it just takes me a long time to write. Yeah. And I was like, say less, man. Just like... Well, it's like Carver Lonely Cut yeah. and, 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 and Stockton right here, man. We finna. I said I'm coming up to New York, and I remember it was like, man. He was like, I, I don't, I don't have any money from you. I said I didn't ask you about no money. Yeah. I said we get back on the road. So don't worry about that. We went and did Run the Jewels one in two weeks. Damn. We went back out on the road, and on the road we opened it for Run the Jewels. So my killer Mike come out do his thirty minutes. L do his thirty minutes, and then Run the Jewels do. 30 minutes and uh, we come out there and there's some Killer Mike fans out there LP fans Def Jeff fans ah. and then we come back out together sometimes soaking wet we the same two dudes that had just been on stage for an hour Yeah, and it was a group of kids that would always be quietly respectful clap or whatever but they they didn't come for Killer Mike Yeah, they didn't come for LP they Mm. came from running Running shoes and by the end of that tour those 700 people rooms had become 1500 people rooms and it started going crazy. By, <laughs> by the time you got to Run the Jewels tour, we're playing but Run the Jewels two, we're playing Coachella. Yeah, and we're playing um, huge uh, the Governor's Ball in New York. And we're, you know we're playing Music Midtown by three. Like so, I started understanding. Oh shit, I am exactly where Outkast was at the exact moment I kind of got on with them yeah. in terms of touring and audience. And I'm I realized then. The purpose in the journey that I'm on. Exactly. You know, the purpose in seeing friendship should always trump the group. Yeah. So the group trumps, the group is the focus. Yeah. It trumps all the other personal petty bullshit. It trumps all the additional ego and shit because the group has put us all here. Yeah. But the friendship trumps even the group. The brotherhood that LP and I have trumps even run the jewels because yeah. I love my brother so much that I'm not going to let run the jewels down and, and run the jewels as a community loves our supporters so much that we're not going to let each other's down through ego and insecurity you know so d- being able to now be in the moment that I got a chance as a voyeur or witness has made me a wiser steward of my position and I, and I really appreciate it that much more like I I genuinely appreciated getting back on stage last week Cause I missed y'all. Yeah, you know, I, I sincerely, I I missed you. <laughs> you know, I can remember I walked out on stage. It was a, uh, it was me. I walked out on stage and it was a uh, whole whole bunch. You know, a lot of white kids at festivals always, yeah. right? I, I remember seeing the little black kid. I was like, okay, okay, I know, I know who he is in the crowd. Yeah. And I remember seeing this um this 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 human being. I believed it had been a transsexual human being, but just gave me the most beautiful smile, blue hair. Too much makeup, look like a Japanime doll almost. And I just like, you know what? This is really what this shit is. I'm Come from Abbeville. Come on. I'm out, I'm, out, I'm, out, I'm out here with a Japanimation doll live. It's just, man, it just made me, it just made me, it made me 
even more filled with gratitude for the journey I've been on. You know, from and I'm talking about everybody from the kids that supported us when we was at the bounce doing Never Scared. You know, <laughs> was gonna get me, yeah. to, to to right now. It just y'all mean so much to me. You know, yeah. like it, and I don't mean that in a trivial way. You know, I don't mean that in a oh thank you. I mean I sincerely take the time to take pictures with people, to converse with people, to meet and greet people at their level in the streets because. You know, guys, I just, I appreciate it. I wasn't good for nothing else. Everybody yeah. told my grandmama that, so, shit, I probably been in prison. <laughs> Answer me this, though, Killer, with the name Killer Mike and feeling like you needed to switch it to Mike Bigger, yeah. how did you feel like your name was impacting your career? And then, I didn't have a problem with my name. All the black folks who was supposed to be in positions to help push me did. Uh, I never had a problem with my name, you know? And I, I laugh now, because a lot of people that used to work for Columbia say, man, Man, it really worked out for you. And I, we, I, we thought, remember, we thought the name, I, we didn't think shit. I yeah. knew my name was my name. I yeah. knew I could do it. I, you doubted it. So you didn't go in the meetings confident yeah. and push me. I don't want to hear that we shit. Yeah. Like we didn't run with Harriet Kane. Yes, the fuck, I was ready. <laughs> I was just chained to your scare ass. You know what I mean? <laughs> we, we sure was not. You know, the Mike Big was just something. Every rapper got a couple yeah, names. A so. few aliens. Yeah, but the bigger stuck with my wife, Bella, so yeah. she's Shea Bigger. <laughs> I why I never forget they put her up after one of my birthday parties to my former rapper. I say she ain't never rapped nothing but a Christmas gift. That girl wasn't no rapper, man. She's so shy. My <laughs> God. You, T.I., yeah. Bone Crusher, yeah. Never Scared, another one of those songs that went crazy yeah. for years. Yeah. What was that like having the whirlwind of a smash hit? And did y'all feel like that song was going to go as crazy as it did? Well, let, let me acknowledge, originally it was Reese and Bigelow yeah. and Bone Crusher. And then I was invited in okay. by, by them. And yeah. um, they put me on the record. Mm -hmm. And then, I don't know what business got worked out. It didn't get worked out between them. Yeah. Then it, it became a record where it was me, Bone Crusher, and T.I. But okay. I always have to acknowledge Reese and Bigelow first because the two Mississippians, two great brothers, I still talk to uh, Reese to this day. Yeah, and just you know, it's just I gotta show love because yeah. you come like my family from Tuskegee. You come out of a come on small now. town, the Jacksons, the Baton Rouges, places like that. To me, it's just good to make sure that that I don't want that part of the story not told. Yeah. Know? So, but Dan, I know from Break 'Em Off, um, put 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 the cash behind Crush, mm -hmm. um, and I got to get Dan credit too, man. Dan from Break 'Em Off Records, man from the West Side is somebody who has believed in artists and helped artists much like a big oom, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? He's much like a big D and tight did, much like a slick money and ice. So I, I gotta give him, so Never Scared is, is a little more complex um, than you think, but really Bone Crusher had the wherewithal to know that what he brought by way of anthem and excitement and stage yeah. energy, what I brought in terms of hardcore intensity and what Tip brought in terms of just slickness and player shit yeah. was a was the was a was a dope record. Come on. You know, so I gotta give Crusher his his credit for A and R in the moment and understanding it. Mm -hmm. Cause when he called me and said, I'm gonna put T I on the record, I just shrugged myself like, mm, okay. <laughs> I, you know, like I thought Tip was dope. I just didn't know who record it was no yeah. more. But I was like, shit, you know, yeah. hey, yeah, we all from the West, it makes sense to me. Yeah. And then we performed it, and it it was like, oh yeah, this is this is something else. Your friendship with T.I., man, working yeah, over there with bro. Grand Hustle and all of that stuff, yeah, what was bro. that like, y'all linking up and turning up? Man, it's my bro. Like, I, I remember when I was on my ass and the mixtape stuff finally started hitting enough so we could have some rationale to go mm -hmm. to some independent distributors and say, hey, rock with us, tip gave me a home with Grand Hustle, and I appreciated him. I remember telling him, like, man, I, I really appreciate you, dog. I, you know, I ain't want to have to come to you. I know you have a lot burning you. Yeah. And he was like, man, I would have been did this. All you had, I felt like an <laughs> asshole, man. It's like, 
damn, I could have been called my dog. You know yep. what I mean? But you, you let pride get in your way. You know, you don't want to bother folk. And, Thanks. But man, Tip has been a, a, a friend since we were introduced. Mm-hmm. When he was at LaFace and I was at, you know, um, Quimini, we just, you know, we didn't know what the hell we was doing. We know we love rapping. Yep. We knew we had great stage performance solo and together. But um, I have been proud every step of the way. And I got to say that my friendship with him has really taught me um, a lot of life lessons and valuable lessons. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I, um, like a lot of friendships in this thing end because of envy and ego. Mm. You know, your ego will say you're supposed to be somewhere. Your ego will want you to still be treated high in the way you were being treated when you had the hit record. And, mm-hmm. But you have to self-check your ego, leave your ego at the door and humble yourself. Mm-hmm. And envy, you have, to, you have to be careful that you never let the question of why not me Mm. Into your heart or your head Because if it do It'll trouble you to the point You become a hater On those you love And I saw that happen to Tip yeah. A couple times And and it was you know You know like for Lunt You know meant something To my community yeah. You know people people That was Tip's best friend That yeah. was that was a whole He was loved in a whole circle He was loved on the whole side yeah. My sister sat in class next to him yeah. My sister cried as hard as anybody At the funeral You know it's like like what you do when you your little sister is an adult yeah. woman crying because one of her favorite her favorite people from middle school, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like seeing my friend go through that simply because somebody was envious of him, mm. seeing seeing people that rapped with him and was right next to him, you know, go disparage his name. It just it made me stand in more solidarity with the mores and principles that our friendship was founded about. And so being his friend has really helped me grow. Yeah. Like we talk down there daily, like on some grown man shit, yeah. just What's talking happening? shit in front of the stove yeah. shit, or just you know, what do you think on this? And, I, and I'm and I'm I'm proud that that because you know you come up in the era together. Usually the industry tries to pitch you who's you know yeah. who's the king? Should they call himself the king? Should they, <laughs> like, yeah, nigga, the king of the south. Okay, yeah, it. that's yeah. my dog. He the, you know, I I never I never went for any of that bait. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And I got to thank people like. You know, peop, it's been we've had some great encouragers around us, and people like KP. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? People, people like Big and Dre been great examples to us. Gip from the Goody Mobs, a great e- example. Yes, sir. Um, you know, Greg Street, another great example yes, for how sir. working together beats competing over over pennies when you can work together for dollars. So come on, we, we we've, we've been stewarded and mentored by great people. But me and Tip's relationship is one that's priceless to me. That's my brother, man. He, me, him, and and Banner in particular is a yes, trifecta sir. of friends. You know, Banner is dead, of course, rubber band man. Yeah. You know, remember when Banner was me, Crusher, Banner, all the <laughs> stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, like those friendships mean a lot to me. Talk to me about that time though, Killer. That crunk time, man, when all of y'all boys was raised when in the pure hell. Yeah, we don't know. Me and Till, I remember me and Till would just sit around like we'd be on crunk records. Yeah. But we weren't crunk artists. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so I remember just we'd be sitting like like, man, this is an interesting phenomenon. Like, <laughs> we just wrote 36 balls of fury. <laughs> and this nigga just went up and yelled, yeah, eight times. And goddamn, like, you know, we knew we was gonna jail, but you you gotta you like you you spin, you you spin. I'll like, you. Yeah, this it's like watch it. It's like developing a three-pointer man just to see a power four come in and just shit on your <laughs> shit on your feet. It's like, damn. But what 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 I have through crunk, through snap. Through the rock star movement, 
through shouted laws run. Yeah, what yeah. I have done is consistently stay a lyricist in whatever beats I touch. You know Thanks. what I mean? I'm not trying to out rap the beat out rap you, but I want to engage you in a style that's yeah. going to be new and interesting. I want to engage you in wordplay that's going to tickle you. I want to engage you in a story that's yeah. going to hit your head or your heart in a way it stays with you. So I have and have long said and will always say, the greatest in my book is Scarface. And you put Ooh. any folk, anybody else, yeah. you want to, you can have that argument. But for me, Brad Jordan, no one's else had a career since 1987 <laughs> to now never drop <laughs> the whack album. Nobody's else had, will, give, yeah, will give you a song like Boy Meets Girl, yeah. you know, that talks about the mixture of ecstasy and cocaine, the form of drug dealing and stripper. You follow these two characters. Nobody yeah. else give you a song about suicide, having just been with his boy and he's going to call his boy. Because that's, man, like, oh, that's my real life. This yeah. is this what I see. Past, I had some fun in the club. Past, and he'll still give you fuck faces. Come you on. know what I'm saying? So for for me, <laughs> man, like he he is he's the artist that I aspire to be like in terms of longevity, in terms of relevance, in terms of growth of style. So you know, I I feel like that time, the crunk era, it was nothing more fun because yeah. you you would be doing the bounce on Friday, you being fam, you on Saturday. <laughs> You being Gainesville on Sunday. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? By the time you came back home Monday, if the police hadn't pulled your ass and locked you up for the weed and guns, you're going to have a shit ton of money in your pocket and a lot of fun back in the city. So I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. But I knew I wasn't a crunk artist. Yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. I'm with you. Know? Sounds like Reagan. Yeah. Okay. When you get on that thing and put those facts on wax and flat out snap, what is it that also gives you the courage to speak on those kind of matters on them songs and distribute it to the Populist, because everybody's hearing it. I be tripping because, like, I was. I just grew up at a time where hip hop. You know, I'm. I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to be the teacher. Mm -hmm. I have a teacher. I listen to KRS One. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, but I am trying to to give you some game. So, yeah. at, stories get told, and usually the winner tell the tales. That's why the hunter tells how dangerous the hunt was, and never the lion never get to say it was ten of them, and I didn't have a gun. Come on, right. So with Reagan, Ronald Reagan, I had just got sick of them, honestly, man, just to be very frank, with them lionizing this cracker. Like, he wasn't shit. He was not shit when he was the governor of California and he targeted the Panthers. He wasn't shit when he was the president and used drugs to fund an illegal war and then fame like he didn't know. He wasn't shit as he double-talked us about cracking cocaine, knowing at the same time the CIA was using money to, to, to or benefits of his administration yeah. was using money to fund the war. So, not only did that, then you blame us. Then you point at us. You know, so I really despise Ronald Reagan. Yeah. You know, just to just to be frank with you. There are a few people, you know, you don't you don't want to have hatred in your heart. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to J. Edgar Hoover, when it comes to Ronald Reagan, you know, when it comes they to people who no, beyond hated you, yeah. you know, Richard Nixon created the drug war specifically to deal with hippies, liberal yeah. white people, and 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 the and and the rise of black people. You know, so for for me, when you start to name certain characters, you you can't you you have to understand what you're dealing with. He was evil. Yeah, and that's just that's just the facts. So for me, I needed to put that me and L me and L put that in a song, mm. um, using his words in the middle to help you illustrate what the crack era really was. Now that record wasn't just a fuck Ronald Reagan record. Yeah, that record let you know. We have something to play in our own destruction. We don't grow food. We don't hunt our own food. Yeah. We don't produce anything. We simply consumers. We encourage kids to do drugs, join gang. We have to accept that accountability 
We got to do that. Come on. You know, so that's before you, then you get to the part about Reagan, about how every U.S. president has basically done the exact same thing. Don't matter if you like him or not. Yeah. Don't matter if he spoke at your church. Mm -hmm. they, all have, they all have funded illegal wars. Mm -hmm. They all have hurt people in communities that are far, far from here. So for me, it was just important that Americans know, even in the guy I hate, I share some of. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking truth to power, though, Killer, because everybody don't have the nuts to go out there and do that yeah. kind of stuff, man. So yeah. where do you find that strength from to be able to go out there and do that? And then still maintain relationships, yeah. business relationships outside of music, yeah. and then still be able to maneuver out here in this game after you done said the truth. Because yeah. folks act like they want the truth, but they can't handle it. Yeah, I said in the, the record just, I run the Jews for, I say pedophiles sponsor all these fucking racist bastards. That's the line that's probably gonna get my ass a assassin. And I say that, and you know, I can remember on Hip Hop DX years ago saying, I say things that'll get me killed. And I remember that comment session lighting up. Nigga, who wanna kill you? ain't pop fat boy. I mean, <laughs> nigga went in on me, boy. But I, I tell you, I tell you this, when I, when I popped up in Hillary Clinton's campaign manager's email, yeah. I guess Killer Mike didn't get the message. You know, I know it's for real. I know I'm saying things. So for me, let me stay as public as possible because I don't want to die. You know, I don't want to die yeah. trying to free people who aren't, who not ready to be free. Ooh. But I do want to tell the truth while I'm here. What is that like trying to free people that don't want to be free? Well, I'm not free? doing that anymore. I'm okay. simply telling the truth. Okay. <laughs> so, so what yeah. was that dynamic that caused you to say, you know what? I'm out here putting it on the line, but I'm not sure if it's, it's being. Not, I, I never, I never sought leadership. I'm a, yeah. what they would call a reluctant leader. But yeah, when you sit, look at someone like Colin Noor, who's a black brother, mm -hmm. he used to used to facilitate a show on NRA. Now he's independent. But people hate that brother for who he used to be affiliated with, to the point they don't listen to him about how to protect their gun ownership rights and things. So I, me and him did an interview in 2018. People decided that it was diametrically opposed to something that was going on. They didn't like it. People came at me. I bet you destroyed your career. Yeah, yeah. And then, then I meet with with um, someone like my homegirl Moj, and she was like, "Mike, I thought I hated you in 2018, and a few months ago I told my girlfriend I was wrong. Mike was right. It's time to buy a gun." She's a she's a she's a gay brown woman mm -hmm. with a child yep. in these times. Yeah, she needs to be armed. You know. So when you look at the Black Packers movement here in Atlanta, mm -hmm. when you look at you know. When you look at brothers like them and sisters that are training each other and hiking and fishing, and you look at um at, at the brothers that are and, and sisters that are doing triage out in the fields, you look at military people that are coming training. That's what we needed. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I say I'm done saving people, I ain't trying to save themselves. If you don't actively hunt, fish, fight, you don't do any of that, you probably not with me. Yeah. Oh, you can't rock. I'm not. Oh, I can't rock with you. Like every man with me today know how to put a pole in a lake and catch us. Every man with me today know how to grow a tomato. Yeah. Every man and and the, and the women that's with them too. So if you don't do those things, yeah. I'm gonna be a lot more quiet around you. Come on now. That's all. Cause you know my granddad had told me years ago. You know these niggas gonna learn you. <laughs> you know, so I, I learned. Just so, so if somebody see Willie Burke on the other side, tell them I got it. Come on. You know I'm not. You know I said on the new album. I said you know, um, friends say he could be another Malcolm. He could be another Martin. My wife said I need a husband more than the world need another martyr. Come on you know, now. Oh, so you just gonna snap that damn That's hard killer. Said. That's what I said. Absolutely. <laughs> Talk to me about where you gathered the information and the knowledge from, though, killer, because at the end of the day, a lot of folks, you a busy man. So how much reading is you doing when you ain't rapping, touring, and handling business every five minutes? Just read, man. Read. You're not gonna finish every book, but just read. And what books are the ones everything. that triggered you just that made everything. you say, you know what, hey man? Everything. Autobiography, Malcolm X, any James Baldwin book you want to pick up, Zora Neale Hurston, I also watching God. 
you know, any anything. Just but I read everything. My grandfather bought encyclopedias. We read them. That's yeah. just what you did. You 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 stoke curiosity in your children. Mm-hmm. When your children say why, say let's see. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and don't just use Google. Still go on outings. Go to the bookstore. Go to the library. Yeah. You know, I bought um, 1984 just because I hadn't read it in a while. You mm-hmm. know, reread it. And you'll read it. It's like, oh, shit, this is happening now. <laughs> you know? What do you think about what's happening now in the world that we're living in? Because right now, people feel like their rights are under attack and they we are. don't know exactly what's about to happen. Protect all your rights, not just the ones they tell you to. You know? Mm. Your First Amendment right gives you the power to say what you want to. Your Second Amendment right gives you the right to defend yourself. <laughs> yeah. You know, you want to make sure your Fifth Amendment, the right to remain silent, not incriminate yourself. I'd like to see the 13th Amendment, you know, amended again so that there's no inclusion of slavery at all. Because right now, slavery is illegal except for in jail. In jail prison, yeah. you know? So for me, you know, black people in particular just need to explore enjoying every right and privilege this country promised you before you're willing to give them up. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. We've only been free about 57, 58 years. And if you take that into context, my, my parents were in this, you know, God bless the dead, my mother being gone, my father's in the 60s. They were, my parents were born in apartheid. Yeah. So we haven't even had a full century of freedom, and you're already ready to give the government the right to tell you to do with your body. Yeah. Because if you don't want, if you, you know, if you don't want to tell me what the right to do with by taking something out of my body, then you can't tell me what to do by putting something in either. Yep. You know? So for me, make sure you enjoy all your rights before you give them up because governments don't give rights back. And I, was, I was just talking to Joe Rogan <laughs> on the way over here. Yeah. And um, Joe was saying, I was telling him, you know, I'm glad you got better. You know, I hope you and your family are good and COVID stuff. But, you know, he was like, you know, the, 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 the reset button on any government is usually totalitarianism mm. or dictatorship of some type. That's where you reset. You yep. know what I'm saying? It's like being the toughest kid in a matter of 10 or 15 kids. Everybody's scared they're going to get beat up so nobody well, you. But really, 10, 10 kids out there, the 11 can beat your ass. <laughs> Come on. They just, they just haven't taken time to organize to do it. Now, moving forward with what you got going on, though, Killer, as a businessman, yep. what is that like saying, okay, I got this music down, Pat, but I need to handle my business, yep. swag shops and all of this stuff yeah. going on, man, television shows at the same time yep. with trigger warning. Yep. What was that like, expounding upon that platform that you already had and turning it into these other vehicles to get money? Man, Ice Cube, you know, you look at someone like Ice Cube, who's been a tremendous influence. If you listen to my style, you listen to a direct reflection of the school of Ice Cube, yeah. direct reflection of KRS-One, direct reflection of Paul and G, Scarface, you know, so. But from a businessman perspective, Ice Cube getting an opportunity to exercise his ability to write. Mm-hmm. You knew he was a dope storyteller on Boys in the Hood when he wrote that for Easy, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You knew that on Fuck the Police, but getting a chance to see the movies, mm-hmm. to see a Friday play out, you know. So Ice Cube showed me it could be done. Then it just for me saying, well, when I get a chance, how do I do it? Yeah. I've been on MTV made, MTV made four times. I still communicate with all the kids I did made with. That's they all right. went on to be successful adults in yeah. the endeavors they with. So I took and I take television seriously. So when I went got the trigger warning, you know, if you look at um, Yale from from the Crips that help help brand the Cripacola, mm-hmm. you know, Yale has cash crop clothing. He's selling out daily. You know, shouts out to Yale. Come on. You know, you look at Blue Sugar, Big Noonie. Noonie's selling um, desserts. <laughs> like, Noonie's slagging desserts, right? Noonie, kill you and make the banana pudding for your film. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like, 
you know, so for me, whether it's AC, Murdo, shouts out to them, I'm, I'm, I'm about the business of business because I have a good-ass job. Like, Swift reminds me all the time, you got a great job, mm -hmm. but I don't ever want to resent my job again. I don't want to have to do a song I don't want to do. I don't want to have to work with people I don't want to work with. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have people around me working that I don't really like or respect simply by proxy. Come on. So for me, it's just having the businesses are a way to, you know, if – if a water company will pay me to say, hey, their water's the best, mm -hmm. then why can't I bottle my own water and say my water's the best? Come on. You know, so I, I, I'm i a school, I'm from the school of Def Jam. I watched them grow, mm -hmm. you know, from just a little small label we cheered for into a mega force. Rockefeller, watched them grow. Mm -hmm. You know, I, um, I rap a lot, Luke Records. So I've always admired a businessman. Like I remember listening to Too Short, not just because he said Biatch, but because Short said was the first rap I heard say, Jive gonna have to give me a million dollars to sign. Like, think of Come on. I remember, man, at 12 years old, a million dollars sounded like a lot of money. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Oh, man, I just talked to my lawyer like a million dollars one shit 15 minutes ago. But I'm just like, I'm like, if it wasn't for Short, I wouldn't even have context. And then, Too Short and people like, Eric Sermon moving to Atlanta, setting up businesses. Yeah. Again, I'm no stranger to seeing black people in power. Yeah. I, I know the story of Alonzo Herman. No, yeah. I know Herman Russell, but it's different yeah. when it's the Wu Tang Clan with a store. Yeah. You know, it's different when you see you you see Eric Sermon with a rim shop. Yeah. You know, it's different because then it's touchable, it's tangible. Like I know these people, so I want to be that. You know, I want out that swag shop. Man, when they called us and told us we want y'all to extend the lease, we keeping y'all. Man, it, I was happy because the experiment is working. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I want to be in 50 coliseums, not just one. That's what I'm saying. I dream big. Oh, man, we in State Farm Arena. That means a lot. But what if I'm in everyone? everyone. <laughs> you know, what if I get 500 stores? You get what I'm saying? Exactly. That's, that's, so that's what I start saying, take the cap off and go bigger. So for me, the business thing is, it's like I, I'm excited like when I first learned how to rap. Yeah. Like when Gigi first taught me how to write in bars, I knew I was writing 16s. Uh -huh. Now with business, I can, I, can, I can say, this is my hypothesis, this is my theory, this is how I'm gonna <laughs> see myself getting to it. And even if some things off, at the end of the day, when you get that call, man, y'all did $50,000 in T-shirts. Come on. You know, <laughs> and that Just ain't no money for a company like Supreme. That ain't no money for a company like the hundreds. Yeah. But for us, a small little three-shop operation, that was like, and that's out of one shop. Mm -hmm. So then you say, man, what can I do if I do this out of 10 shops? So mm -hmm. that's our next goal. Our next goal is to profile up to 10 shops, then go into some capital venturism and grow into you know, exponentially more shops and region. When we talk about businesses and stuff like that, man, I mean, it allows you to speak like a free man. Can Absolutely. you talk about being able to be an entrepreneur and not having to bow down to corporations just to survive? Because right now you got the jab a job yeah. going on right now. And a yeah. lot of folks are scared to death because they're like, I need my job. But then you got a lot of entrepreneurs out here that's saying, well, I'll give you one. Yeah, and, and, and i tell you this, like you're gonna have to negotiate. You yeah. know what I'm saying? When you sit on the side of the table, you ask some folk for some money, even as, a, even as an entrepreneur, they're going to say, well, the money comes with stipulation, though. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So it, it's about what do you want to, like, watch Shark Tank, you know? Yeah. They're like, yeah, I give you a million dollars. I want 20% of your company. Facts. You know? Or, oh, I want 10% because that 10% stake, they get saved. Yeah. You know? So you have to start to really say, you know, what, and you have to have some conversations with yourself. And mm -hmm. what am I willing to do at this point? What am I not willing to do? But there is a freedom in doing business. Mm -hmm. there, there, there's a freedom. But it's not easy. Like, um, 
you know, my wife says, man, you know, I work damn hard not to work. You know, Jason Jeter got a quote. Um, <laughs> that's a similar quote. It's up. If y'all follow Jason Jeter, follow Jason Jeter, Striver Rock, Striver's um, Row Clothing. But Jason talks about that. Like, we work damn hard not to work. And, yeah. you know, you might work 150 hours a week mm-hmm. not to work, though. Facts. You might work 100 hours. But other people, Facts. they do, they 40, they know what they get, and they go home. Yeah. You know, I don't, I never could. I just didn't have it in me. Yeah. I don't I don't begrudge anybody. I just didn't have it in me. You know, I didn't have it in me. So Learning I had to figure something else out. Learning about finances, yeah. banking, Greenwood. Could you get into that for me? Man, well, I got a call from Andrew Young, former mayor and, and mentor of mine for the last 31 years. My God. Uh, he and his son, Bo, um, who went to Maze. Bo's a Maze guy as well. Their mother, well, their his late wife, Jean, and, and Bo's mom was this man who Jean Child's young middle school was named after. She was a tremendous hero to me. And, um... Jean was just, you know, I married a woman like Jean, just a very mm. strong-willed woman. And um, when Andy calls me about something, I take it seriously. Yeah. So Ryan and Paul sat me down and talked to me about, well, this is what's going on in the world of fintech for black people. This is the platforms that are out there. This is how ours matches those and exceeds those. It just felt like the right thing to do. We're going to get checks and cash checks and pay bills and things of that nature. We shouldn't have to pay 20% of our check to a check cashing place. Come on. Any company we're giving money to should funnel money back into our community via NAACP or, um, you know, United Negro College Fund. We should be getting something. And that's what Greenwood does. Yeah. And Greenwood also has stepped up and has gotten into content creation now where they're doing actually online. You can go online, listen to blogs, watch podcasts, and you can get to see the people who are making it as they make it say these are the lessons we learned. You also should follow people like AKA Anundrum, you know, that are, that are on. That, and these people are all on my page. You know, yeah. you, should, you should follow these type people. If you want to learn about business, you should you should know who she is, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that the what we can do as parents and citizens in Atlanta is we can start calling for financial literacy courses in school. Mm-hmm. The same way we had home economics in school, we used to have business talent centers. There's no way our children don't know how to manage a debt card. You know, um, there's no there's no reason that we have not shown them, except for we haven't mastered it. So as a community, we have to, I believe, start to set our nose in the direction of getting our financial shit together. Thanks. And 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 first and foremost, that's just that's just taking care of simple things like having a bank account, yeah. start establishing and building some credit, start trying to buy a piece of land to put under you as soon as you possibly can. And I think if we do that, much like our grandparents did in a very simple way, and stop, we can't go from zero to 100. Yeah. You know, you can't go from, I got it, you know, I never had, I'm on my ass, and then all of a sudden you get it, you go spend it all. You have to see yourself as the cornerstone of a foundation. Mm-hmm. What I'm doing right now is Michael Render, uh, right now in 2021, in 2051, 61, should affect my grandchildren in a way that's positive for them. Well, that's what keeps me from going out and buying some of the dumb shit I really want to buy. I want to buy a demon so bad every morning. <laughs> every morning I get up like, man, I got 150 bands. Why not? You know what I'm saying? And just when that happens, a deal I've been looking for will come across. And I really want that demon. Like, yeah. I can't even goddamn lie to you. Like, I want that demon so bad. No wife will cause me for a deal. I'm going to ask, you got that virgin deal? You give me a call with that? You know, but I, I don't want to waste an opportunity. So, yeah. you know, I, I can say that. I have I have become a stronger individual by by fasting, you know, from financial fuck ups that I wanted to make. And um, I would I would advise our men especially mm-hmm. to to involve yourself in some type of trade 
because you're going to get exponentially a higher dollar return for the education you have. And I would, I would say let's try to master our coins so that we can be respected amongst our own and, and we can be, you know, the, the, the engine that's powering our communities forward. Being able to have a mentor such as Andrew Young, yeah. former mayor, a man that rode out with Dr. Martin Luther King, yeah. what kind of game did he lay down on you, and what is it like being able to talk directly with him? Andy, my man, though, but you know, Andy, 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 Andy a good guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, and, you know, Andy, Andy ain't no thug. So you got to have all kind of mentors. <laughs> You know, you gotta you. have Andrew Young and you gotta have Fat Steve yeah. from Boy Hole. Like both of them are my mentors. So yeah. Andy is um Andy, James Orange, Alice mm -hmm. Johnson, Walter Cleveland, mm -hmm. Reverend Albert Love, Timothy McDonald, all these people, um, Young Blood, mm -hmm. Skip Mason, all these people saw a willing young man who was willing to learn and absorb what they had learned from the civil rights movement mm. and they poured into me like a cup. Mm -hmm. And I'm very blessed, Joseph Lowry, mm -hmm. very blessed, Martin King III, Bernice King. So I'm blessed mm -hmm. in that I was a willing student and instructors were willing to teach me. And so I, I, can't, I can't overstate enough how much gratitude I have for not only Andy, but that whole cast of people I just named and especially invoked the name of Alice Johnson, who was a white woman mm -hmm. from Northern Chicago um, who happened to believe that the liberty and justice for all part was true. Yeah. And whether it was coal miners in West Virginia and fighting against you know, brown and black lung, um, or coming here working in Andy's administration, making sure that working class and poor people had some say in his administration, Alice truly saw the organizer in me and put me with the people who mentored me, and including herself, but she put me with Reverend Orange. With what James. was some of the best advice that you got for the, from the elders, though? Uh -huh. That's different from the advice that you would get from any peer or somebody that's five years older than don't, you. Don't, 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 um, you don't organize for people, you organize with people. Mm. You know, so I don't, I don't trust politicians that tell me what they're gonna do for me. Yeah. I only trust people who say what they're gonna do with me. Yeah. I don't trust organizations that say what they're gonna do for me. I trust the organization that's going to say, this is what we're going to do with the people that we're organizing for. If you aren't organizing with the people you're organizing for, you aren't organizing. Mm -hmm. Being married, what role did your wife play in your career riding with you throughout this whole journey that you've been on? Man, Shay's my role, dog. You know, like, if you know Mike, you know Shay. Yeah. You know her from driving that white van. You yeah. know her from picking up <laughs> some cash tills. You know, you know her if, Usually, if you ask me a business discussion, I'll tell you I gotta I gotta holler at Shay about it first. You know, yeah. like if you look at my page, I'm co-owner of the swag shops. You know? So, you know, I love my wife, I really do. And you know, she sends me hot pictures of chicks from the internet and goes to the blue flame with me. So <laughs> I, I'm a lucky guy. Before I wrap this thing up, too, just speaking on that man-woman relationship, what are the benefits of having a strong woman on your side, and what do you recommend to any man that's out here that's trying to get it done by themselves that might not even know or understand why that might be beneficial to their life moving forward? I'm going to just say, man, teamwork truly makes a dream work. You know, Thanks. So if you, again, if you're plotting, usually you're plotting and maybe doing a little planning by yourself, but when you get to strategize and you want a team around you. So, yes, sir. You know, I don't care if it's you and that woman and you guys figuring it out or you and a committee, you know, or if y'all if y'all got some play in it, you and your women, whatever, whatever. And if you like guys, if it's you and your guy. But mm -hmm. what I do know is very few people have done it alone. They say if you want to go somewhere quickly, what's the African pair on? 
proverb, you want to go somewhere quickly, go alone. If you want to go far, with folks. you can go you're with folks, you go in a group. So, you know, I can say that that truly, you know, the, the, the wife that I have and the women in my life, mm -hmm. whether it is sisters or aunts or daughters, you know, the mothers of my children and they moms, I have gotten wise counsel from black women. And I'd like to just in, in, interject that because there's a mythology running around now that somehow our community suffers from the same type of patriarchy that's going on in the big house. And I just like to say, man, you know, Baldwin has said, and I've heard Nikki Giovanni say, you know, and others that, you know, we were brought here as black men. You were, if not castrated physically, you were spiritually, mentally, you were cut out. <laughs> that's not the leader of your house. Yeah. Uh, the leader of the house stay in the big house. You have value because you can have children, yep. and he's going to pick that cotton. And then if you look further, one, you look at what the welfare state did to separate the family. But what I have always seen in my family is men and women that were married or together tightly joined and making, making decisions and counsel. So I try to operate as my grandparents did. If you ask my grandfather's son, he's going to say, well, you know, I'm going to go talk to Betty about that. Yeah. You didn't just get a yes or a dope. You know, Thanks. So Thanks. I, I, I follow that example. And I, I just like to say my brothers, however you rocking, even you and your like, when it was time for my daughter Michael to go to school, yeah. me, her biological mother, my wife who's a nun by your mother, her, her nun by your father, all of us got together to talk. Yeah. Like, hey, where do we want her to go to school? Because this my child. Of course, I'm this my, I love my child. Yeah. But these other people love my child too. So even decisions that are made about my children are made in counsel with my wife and, mm -hmm. the, and the mothers. You know, so for me, I just say if you want to end whatever they call generational curses, whatever the catchphrase is, if you want to end chaos mm -hmm. in your life, then y'all going to have to sit down at some point and figure out a structure that works for y'all. And whatever that structure is, let that, that structure work for y'all. Be quiet and private about it, and just make sure you produce a successful children. Last hip-hop question before you get up out of here. It was something that you said that hit World Star back in the day that just kind of touched me so deep. I was like, my God, that man just snapped. You said, why would you ride in the car listening to somebody saying stuff and some music that you wouldn't let say to you if they were sitting in the car with you? Talking about, I'm fucking your bitch, I'm taking your money, I'm whooping your ass and everything else. Can you talk about just hip-hop moving forward and the responsibility that we have as a community to put out messages that can move the culture forward as well as entertain us at the same damn time? And Man, I'm you know done. what? We didn't always have both sides. Yeah. Like, my granddad was born in 1922. He listened to Stagger Lee. Yeah. Stagger Lee was a real rap about a real nigga who really shot another nigga dead <laughs> over a Stetson cap. That's for real. Damn. Nigga knocked his hat off. He killed that nigga dead and wrote a song about it. So it, it's, it's been going so, on. So, you know, if you listen to the blues, you know, yeah. if you listen, it's, it's always been there. So pain has always been a part of our music. I'm just going to say don't, don't, don't internalize it so much that you don't, that you don't see the big, like I heard Ice Cube be the most gangster dude in the world. But two things stuck with me about a Rolling Stones interview he did. He paid himself $60,000 a year. Mm -hmm. So I knew once I started making some money, put yourself on a salary. That's right. And I knew that once he met his wife, or his, his, I don't know if it's his girlfriend or wife at that point, but he locked in. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. I said, that's like, that's like my granddad. My granddad, he, he locked in. So lock in. Like, yeah. I understood that. Take care of your coin. Don't only listen to what people say. Watch what they do. Yeah. Because usually they're going to show you who they are and what you do. And sometimes that's good advice for you, too. You know, exactly. I know a lot of people that live like players, but they had, filed, they had um, retirement accounts. Thanks. You know, so my thing is, show, you smart enough to know the difference between bullshit and real shit. Exactly. Stop blaming it on other people. Thanks. You know? 
Chilla. Man, love and respect. Man, man thank you so much for coming through this thing, boss. I Wish you nothing but the best and much success. Love. Be high radio shouted. Killer Mike. Holla at y'all in a minute, man. We gone.